Hey everybody, it's uh, Brown Janikowski, the first podcast of the year, Friday, January the 5th, 2018. I'm Christian Thwaites. I'm Emily Takenbergs, and let's get started. Uh, first off, Happy New Year to you, Christian. You too. Happy New Year to you all. Um, you know, last week, or uh, the week before last week, we ended the year talking about the incredible rise that we had seen in the stock market in 2017. Um, you know, do you can do you see this uh, this run up continuing or this growth continuing? I know that a lot of I've heard, you know, uh, a lot of people say that the stock market is as cheap as it was, uh, you know, 12 months ago, in the sense predicated kind of on the on the idea that you've got um, uh, earnings projections that are looking good for this year, and then you've also got these persistent interest rates. So, what is your take on that um, supposition? I think that's about right. It, it's it's about the same level of valuation as it was 12 months ago. It's roughly about 17 to 18 times uh, forward earnings. Uh, it was about that year ago, maybe a little bit uh, a little bit less expensive. Um, but earnings, as you mentioned, have come through, and they're coming continue to come through pretty strong throughout 2017. With every every quarter, sort of up nine percent first quarter, eight percent seven second, third quarter, and obviously fourth quarter, we're just coming into that earnings season. We expect it to be quite good, and certainly the tax changes will help that. On other metrics, uh, dividend yield is uh, is a little lower than last year, but still you know, pr- pretty attractive, especially relative to bonds, um, and there isn't a lot of leverage in the market. So uh, yes, it's, it, it's not cheap, but it's not uh, wildly expensive, and we still think there's a lot of uh, run-up still to come in 2018. So if you've been sitting in cash since Donald Trump was elected and kicking yourself over this past year, it's not too late to, to get into the market. No, it isn't. But I think, uh, uh, you know, that's the kind of classic approach of get diversified. Don't throw it all onto into the fang stocks or anything like that. Um, as we've been talking here for a while, we like international markets, particularly Japan, particularly Europe, you know, the Euro, Eurozone, and we like emerging markets, and they both have all had strong uh, starts to the year. So I think it's perfectly fine. You should not be sitting in cash if you're an investor with a time horizon of more than a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, it should be either in sort of fixed income or equities, which we which we think are looking pretty good going into 2018. We also saw the Dow rise above 25,000 this week. Um, just tell us a little bit about that. Oh, boy. Uh, there was a time when a thousand on the Dow meant something, <laughs> you know, when it was one thousand to two thousand, two thousand to five thousand. Those years, those days have long gone. Um, I think last year we went from twenty-one thousand, so we broke through the twenty-one thousand, twenty-two, twenty-three, twenty-four, and, and just last week twenty-five thousand. Of course, the simple math tells you that a thousand-point break, you know, twenty years ago was a hundred percent increase in the market. Today. A thousand, a new thousand point break is around a three percent increase in the market. So we're just going to see more of them. Uh, but anyway, there it is. Uh, it's a nice headline to have. It's not an index. You know, we've we've talked about this before, but I must stress, not an index that means anything from a performance perspective. Uh, and in fact, a, a recent journalist has discovered that it had been miscalculated. Uh, for a number of years, when it was closed, when most stock markets were closed in the First World War, so actually the number is 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 even wrong from a from a math perspective. Uh, so anyway, it it's it's really something that journalists like. They get a bit lazy using it, but don't use it for performance comparison purposes. Okay, so we <laughs> also saw um, non-farm payrolls come out, um, and I wonder if you could give us an update on these job numbers. 
And then also um, speak to kind of the two questions uh, that we um, are looking at in terms of, of the job market, which is when will wages start to increase? Um, and will labor participation go up anytime soon? Well, those are the two big questions around around the market. But just to address the uh, the numbers first, so we we came into one hundred and forty eight thousand. People were expecting a little bit higher. Prior two months have been north of two hundred thousand. But if you remember back in September, the numbers were actually negative because because of the uh, the hurricanes that hit uh, Houston and and Florida. So it's a bit difficult to sort of get a a grip on what's happening here because you've got these distortions still working through. But I think that they were disappointing numbers. Now, we've got at least another two, possibly three job numbers before um, the Fed meets in earnest in March to talk about wage increases. But but these numbers weren't particularly strong. And you'd think that the seasonals would be, um, would the temporary staff and so on be, be hired in some big numbers in, in December. But they but that was all pretty low. Our average hourly wages were, were low. Hours worked were low. So it's not a great number. And I think the point you made about what are the two big questions, well, you know, will we see wages increase? Well, it's possible. We discussed this before uh, the break that following the tax break, a couple of, couple of companies, AT&T, and uh, there's been a couple of others that have announced since then, giving bonuses, which are not the same as wages. Um, so I, I would... Think it would be unlikely that companies would go go long on uh, on 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 increasing the wages, and then the other one is the labour participation, which I think there's a lot of slack in the labour market. It's really a question of whether number one, employees who are currently out of the labour market can uh, or want to re-enter the market, and and two, whether employers want to hire them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. But that, those are the kind of two big issues, and um, I don't have a straight answer for it, but uh, it's something I know that you know, the Fed is looking at and will really be a driver as to whether or not there's going to be uh, inflation in the, in the economy this year. Yeah, I want to I ask uh, about that in terms of the Fed's um, next 12 months in terms of schedule of, of, of raising interest rates. You know, how, I know that we've talked about this before. This is kind of an enduring theme, but... You know, I think a lot of people are kind of wary that the the macroeconomic data, let's say the low unemployment numbers, may kind of obscure uh, the crucial details uh, of seeing no, kind of the crucial details of individuals seeing a la seeing no wage increases. Um, you know, will the Fed look to the unemployment numbers or will I mean their mandate is is really employment and inflation. Um, but will they take these wages um, and kind of this lack of growth in wages um, into consideration when they decide whether or not they'll hike her? Um, I think a year ago, six months ago, you could have said yes. Uh, I'm not sure they're going to think much about it in 2018. And the reason for that is that the Fed has turned a lot more hawkish in 2018 than mm-hmm. 2017. Some of that is just the rotation. Uh, so uh, people like Evans and Kashkari, I think San Francisco and uh, and Minneapolis Fed are off, and then you've got you know these typical hawks which come from the, the Kansas and the um, uh, one of the other Midwestern uh, federal state, and also um, we we don't know about these new appointees. There's you know we really don't know which way they lean. They seem to be a little bit more hawkish than anything else. So. Um, 
we, we've got a we've got a Fed which is going to look at those employment numbers and want to get ahead of ahead of the curve. Uh, and I think there'll be a few voices talking about the uh, low impact of wages if we do see that. Like Brainerd, she's certainly one mm -hmm. to to look for. Um, but I'm not sure they're going to be in the majority. So uh, yeah, we have you know we. I think when we're just looking at those those raw job numbers, it looks like the Fed will probably keep pushing ahead with the Fed in, with the rate increases. Mm -hmm. And do you see that uh, as a precarious course? Ah, um, I think the market is pretty sanguine about it. I don't think it's going to disrupt the economy uh, that much. They're expecting it. You know, it's all priced in at this moment. At this point, the. The issue is not so much what the short-term Fed funds rate will, will do, it's the longer end. Uh, so, you know, two years will track up, uh, but what happens at the 10 and the 30-year rates? And those have kept surprisingly strong, very well bid. Mm. So we've talked, we've had this, you know, flattening curve, which we've talked about for a while. And, and that is something to look at, because that the more the curve flattens, the more the market is not believing that the economy is as strong as the Fed seems to think it is, uh, and is justifying, uh, and, and, and which justifies their, their rate increases. More to come on that. Yes. Um, so you also wrote, you had a section in the blog about deficits, particularly the, the twin deficits that you dub <coughs> of uh, the budget deficit and the trade deficit. Um, I'd like you to just explain a little bit about uh, these these kind of two factors um, and what we're seeing in them. Yeah, well, these all were the talk of uh, of everybody back in the 1980s when there were the first Reagan tax cuts, which 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 exploded up the uh, budget deficit, and uh, that that had the impact of driving up rates and it threw out a lot of manufacturing jobs and therefore that you know the trade deficit and then the current account deficit ballooned right after them. So there was always this concern about the twin deficits. They do kind of go hand in hand if, 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 if there is a big budget deficit, uh, that's essentially a difference between saving and dissaving in an economy and the and the difference is usually going to be spent on, on on imports so they are they do kind of have a relationship and it really then uh, as the current account deficit moved to to uh, sorry the budget deficit moved to surplus current account surplus deficit narrowed a lot in the late 90s came off the agenda and it's not at any critical point right now but we do know that the tax uh, package is going to increase the deficit. I mean, the you know, the guys who passed the bill said it would, and uh, and you know the general accounting office and everybody else agrees. So now we're kind of looking at the, the trade deficit and seeing what's happening there. And the and the numbers which came out on Friday today were not particularly good. They were fifty five billion dollar you know trade uh, trade deficit. So that's about eleven percent up on the mid year number. It's been trending up on a moving average basis. So that's enough to shave off half a percent from the GDP numbers uh, mm -hmm. just in the fourth quarter. So we've got to look at it. Um, you know, in the sh that, that, that is a net drag on GDP. Um, it's not an issue yet where, you know, there's a lot of alarm bells, but certainly the, the, the recent trend numbers have not been particularly good. And, and if we get into a trade war with China or through NAFTA, then, uh, then things could get very hairy indeed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to also turn to Japan. We've talked a lot about Japan uh, last year, 
Um, just give us an update around, around what, what's going on there, over what there. It is a good start to the year. Japanese market was closed an extra day longer than the, the U.S. market. So it opened up on, uh, on, on Wednesday, I think. And it's had a very strong start to the year. But I think Japan is a long-term play. It's, it's, it's still the reform of the economy, reform of wages, reform of corporate governance are all kind of taking place in the background. It's still uh, a place where the Bank of Japan has been very aggressive on quantitative easing. It's targeted the 10-year Japanese uh, sovereign bond at 0%. If you look at the graph, it looks like a flat line. It's just been 0% for over a year. They're going to keep it at that. Uh, and yet, meanwhile, Japan does very well when global trade picks up. A lot of its com big companies are huge exporters. Um, and it also looks like employees might be getting a, a real wage increase um, in, in actually, more importantly, in nominal terms, not just in real terms. You get a real wage increase if you continue to be paid you know, $100 a week and prices go down. We're talking here about nominal wage increases, which is going to be much more important in a low inflation economy. So it's all started pretty well. And look, I think Japan is a multi-year play. Uh, it's been the graveyard of many an investor since it peaked back in uh, 1991. But, um, but it was a very strong market uh, last year, better than the S&P by quite a bit. And, um, and so far this year, it's, it's on the same trend. Lastly, I want to turn to a, um, another milestone that we saw this week, which was A shares of Berkshire Hathaway um, crossed the 300,000 mark. Uh, I think they dipped back down. Uh, but, you know, Berkshire Hathaway is, is a, a kind of storied business, obviously Warren Buffett, Charlie Munger. I'm just wondering what your thoughts on that are. Well, the A shares aren't very highly traded. A lot of them are um, obviously held by by Buffett and, and close insiders. but So they're $300,000. They've never had a split. Um, when he started the company, I'm assuming it was a $50 or something share price uh, back in the, in the uh, early 60s. So if you just held on, uh, that's an obviously incredible rate of return. I think it's last time I looked, it was 16 to 18% return. It's doing very well um, now. I, because it's not because this is not traded very much because it's obviously too much for individual investors. I don't think it's a big. Um, it, it's a it's it's more of a mark of uh, of achievement than it is of um, of a significant change in price action. But no, I mean Berkshire, as you know, we we like it. Um, we it's it's got some very good businesses. Um, the interest rate environment helps them on their insurance businesses and some of their underlying stocks have, have done very well. And we've always liked it, not just for the portfolio holdings it has, but for some of its, you know, kind of core industrial strengths and precision parts, a great business, mm -hmm. um, as well as, uh, you know, things like the aircraft leasing and Geico, of course. So anyway, it's, uh, it's, it's done well. It's nice to see that. Um, I think, you know, it continues to be a very good long-term holding. Thank you very much, Christian. Thanks to you for listening. Thank you very much. And here's the disclosure. Please note the discussion of our investment, investment strategy, including our research and investment process represents our investment, investment strategy at Davis Commentary. is subject to change without notice. We cannot assure that the type of investment discussed in this commentary will outperform any other investment strategy in the future, nor can we guarantee that such investments will present the best or an attractive risk-adjusted investment in the future. This is for general information purposes only. References to an individual security should not be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell that security. 
Securities mentions commentary on his several successful and unsuccessful attempts by us, and we do not do not represent all the securities we have purchased, sold, or recommended. Although we deem reliable sources, statistical, and other information referred to in this commentary, we cannot guarantee the accuracy or completeness of any statements or numerical data. Past performance, no indication of future results.